You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy Well Muslim Podcast. This is Asma Jaffrey. And this is Ava Hassan. How are you doing? I know this is your topic. This is like your favorite month topic. So I imagine... <laughs> this is everybody's favorite topic. I just admit it. Oh, it, yeah. I'm I'm more of a prude. I, I acknowledge that, <laughs> but I learn something new every single episode. So how was last week? I wasn't able to join. Um, last week's episode was really great. We're already getting some great feedback um, from listeners. We're getting a lot of suggestions from <laughs> listeners, which I always love after we've, you know, produced, recorded our episodes, because I think what listeners don't realize is that our podcasts are planned and executed six months. In advance. Um, you know, obviously, like uh, when we're closer to the series, we're, we're already, that's when we're actually recording, mm-hmm. but like in terms of the production schedule, that's done six months in advance, but absolutely. I love all the suggestions that are coming in, especially the ones where do this episode where we probably did it two or three years ago. And I just give them the link for the old episode, okay. which is fun. Um, but we're getting some really cool suggestions. We're getting some awesome suggestions for February, but we'll probably have to push it to next February since we already have our speakers lined up and our topics lined up for this month. So Lots of good, good feedback um, since last week. I, How was yours? Uh, you know, we were dealing with, I always, I feel like um, January was a little bit of a crapshoot for us, but I always try to feel um, positive. I, I was jokingly saying like January was the longest year I've ever experienced um, with illnesses and unfortunately family, um, family funerals, you know, all of these types of things. It's just one of those things where, you just got to get up every single day and put your big girl panties on and say, okay, alhamdulillah, today's a, a good day and I'm going to move forward. So there is no point in belaboring the negative. So I'm going to focus on the positive, but I know. So give us a positive. It's a positive. We are yes. no longer sick. Um, and I have to say, since we've already gotten the flu and COVID for the fourth time, my hopes <laughs> and prayers um, is that at least for four to six weeks, we should be in the clear. Um, so that's always a positive, uh, even though it's frigidly cold here in the DMV. I have to say um, today, my kids are off. I plan to cuddle with them in the blanket and watch Wakanda with them because we have been waiting for that. Um, you haven't seen it yet. I'm You're so excited. It. We we my daughter saw it in the theater, but we wanted to um, to watch it at home and then really talk about some of the you know the undercurrent things that um, inevitably is within the 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 show. Um, and obviously, I feel like this is a great month. In addition to our sex month, it's um, Black History Month. So I feel like it's a great opportunity for us to talk um, about that and open dialogue. So after this, I'm going to get my blanket out and my popcorn and cuddle with my boys and have a good warm afternoon. What about you? Uh, nothing. I have another short story to share because I was saving it for February. Oh, I know. As these stories happen, I'm like, I got to save this for this, this series. I got to save that for that series. But so far, all the stories have been for the February series. So, uh, 
I get inspired by you a lot Mm -hmm. as I share with people often that, you know, Zeba has inspired me to do this, that, or that some. And one of the things you inspired me to was the nest. Yes. Which do you want to describe to the audience what the nest is? So um, for people that don't know me, I am a certified um, sleep consultant. Um, I can, I, I sleep coach from newborn all the way to adult women with hormonal issues. Um, but I don't necessarily believe in sleep training. So there's a little bit of a difference there. And so part of my methodology is, um, you know, using cognitive uh, skill development and um, appropriate age, appropriate methodology in order to help your children sleep through the night. And one of the things that I found for my children as they were growing up, that, that comfort of being with their parent is something that um, in Western societies we have given up, right? Because our whole point is we got to get them to sleep by all means necessary, whether they're crying through the night, all, all of that. But the reality is it doesn't necessarily fit with our culture. And so I do believe in sleep training to a certain degree, but I believe that they should be still next to the parent. So our way of dealing with that is our kids have to start off in their room at night, but if at any point they need comfort, they need um, just to be next to us, we have built out what we've called a nest within our room, and they are always welcome to come in at any point in the night. Um, so there, I'm not going to lie, at any point, there's either two to four children in there, um, including my college son is probably not going to want me to share this, but a week before he left for college, I found his big feet sticking out at the end of the, the sofa over there. So the reality is for us, it allows them to get close to their parental energy without affecting and impacting my sleep. So that is a number one tool that I kind of tell parents because it doesn't, it's not necessarily natural to kind of lock your kid in their room and have them sleep through the night. So I know that I've shared this with you, but I feel like it might be backfiring given what you're saying, or did somebody walk in on something and I'm going to let you take it over from here, Miss Uzma. You know, I was not a proponent of the nest because I thought, oh, that's just extra furniture in your room. Like just let the kids sleep in the bed. I'm a, I'm big on attachment parenting and co-sleeping. Like I don't mind. So this is where um, Zeba and I um, differ in our approaches to child sleep. But I thought, hey, the nest is a good idea because I kind of have giant children yeah. and the bed is getting cramped and we have a king bed. <laughs> So I put the sofa in the room. I created this beautiful nest. I've had children come in there. But what you forgot to provide was the reminder to parents to check the nest before any activity ensues. Because if you have an open door policy and the kids start in their rooms, but they are given permission to enter the nest at any point, well, the nest is at the foot of our bed. Oh, so okay. we found out after the fact that we did not check the nest. (laughs) Uh, in the morning and I got chided by like, what the hell? Like, don't you have to pray at budget time? And it's like, oh, (laughs) oh. So then we had um, talks about, you know, kind of the experiences that the male body goes through in the morning. And that was fun. But I was like, uh, Zeba invited me to create the nest, but she forgot to tell me that warning signs are required and there should be alarms, bells, and whistles. There should be a big like like a beep that comes when somebody lies down on the nest so that you know in the middle of the night and are warned 
in the dark hours of the morning. Yes. Um, so you're talking about marital relations is what I'm as- assuming that you're talking <laughs> talking about. Um, but the reality is that's how your kids got here to begin with. Um, thankfully, <laughs> that's what I had to explain to her later. <laughs> Whoa, honey. Um, and that is, and I guarantee you, she's probably never going to come into that nest ever again. That's the problem. Now I feel bad. She's not going to feel safe coming back to the nest because she like, was like, what is up with you guys and the nasty? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I was sleeping there. And it's like, uh, why didn't you wake us up and let us know that you're there? And she's like, oh, well, you were sleeping. Well, that's the point. The whole point is they're not supposed. So I create, so I should probably have said this. I've created the nest where it's a little, it's not at the foot of my bed. It's in Uh. this own little, um, sub. So to ensure that privacy, um, Mm. knowing that I have an open door policy. So, um, I probably wouldn't have advised at the foot of the bed, um, unless you are physically co-sleeping, like with a younger child. So I have done that where I've I've had a bed attached to the bed, you know, where the the baby or the younger, they have their own sleeping space, but they're still next to you. But as they get older, the nest is a little bit away from our sleeping quarter so that we can have a little bit of that privacy. So perhaps we can move the next and I will help you with that. But I'm glad that you were able to have a conversation with your daughter. And I guarantee you, you have one less kid coming into the nest. nest. (laughs) I do. (laughs) But you know, this is kind of an example of how Muslim moms were not nuns. And as you know, that is our February series. And we have totally proven that as a mom of four kids each, let's just say we are well-versed in that area. And um, we have a lot uh, to talk about. And we would, however, be remiss if we didn't address what happens when our kids reach their sexual awakening at puberty, um, or sometimes a little bit later than puberty or before, what are all the landmines of peer pressure um, with which come with it? Um, we are navigating that with a favorite returning guest of ours, Dr. Shakira Abdullah. Dr. Shakira is a doctor of nursing practice who is also working towards her PhD in sex education from Widener University. She is passionate about implementing her empowering sex education program adapted uniquely for Muslim youth. Yes, you have heard that correctly. She and her organization, Love Beyond Love, helps educate Muslim youth and adults around the tricky and often perceived taboo topics surrounding sex. And I am so excited about having this conversation with her today. So let's welcome Dr. Shakira. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure. So for those people who um, didn't hear you on the podcast last time, because um, among our DMs, our DMs of brand new listeners were like, oh, I finally started listening to your podcast and I love it. It's like, where you been, girl? Like this train done left the station. Like this is our fifth season. Yes. We have officially started our fifth season, mashallah. So um, Dr. Abdullah, we like to kick off the podcast by asking moms to share whatever they're comfortable about their momming journey, um, a little tidbit about their kids if they want to, and then their momming philosophy. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was born and raised Muslim. I have technically five children. <laughs> Two that I two that I birthed, but um, I love them all. They are all consider them uh, my children. Um, I have all the way from ba- um, babies and toddlers, and my oldest one is 13. Oh. 
So that's literally at that peak of sexual awakening. So, I mean, you're not only an expert in this field, but you're starting, like now you have a child that's going through that, Um, you know, and we're just going to kick this off because I have so many, so many things to to ask you, including start sharing a little bit of a story. I was um, at a, at a birthday party and I was talking to a mom who happened to be a psychiatrist. She is an adolescent psychi- um, psychiatrist actually. And out of curiosity, I asked her, I was like, you know, what is the thing, um, that impacts kids and teens the most right now? And it kind of goes along with this topic. And I was shocked to hear this. She was like, you know, because of the onset of social media and, um, you know, porn and por- pornography, kids are not even like there are later teen boys specifically that are asking for medication because they cannot have regular intercourse with a female because of all of the things that they're getting from the internet. And I was kind of shocked, but when I heard this, um, but you know, social media is to blame for a lot of things, including overexposure, obviously, you know, so one of the things is that concept of all having to feel sexy or feel sex pressured um, at younger and younger ages. So what are you seeing um, in the teen space and specifically in the Muslim teen sphere? Yes. So so in addition to social media, just having access to the internet, like nowadays our, you know, our babies, our toddlers have tablets and that's literally like a computer in their hands. And then they go on to have these cell phones, these smartphones and these pornography sites. Um, if you can just reflect on how many people do you know that have a Netflix account and then all the people that you know that have a Twitter account, more people than all the subscribers to those type of platforms access pornography online pornography every day and so you know you everyone so you think about how how many people have a netflix everyone so everyone a lot of people are accessing pornography online and unfortunately um some of those users a a lot of those users are not adults so they're children they're children they're teenagers just having access to so many different types of porn you know speaking of my 13 year old um just a year and a half ago, he was, you know, in, in wake of COVID and having online schooling. Him and his friends found this pornography site. With, it was like an animated pornography site, but it was very, very, very realistic. Um, even for for me, it was just like, I could not believe that he was, you know, ingesting all of this into his mind and his body for however long, you know, because we had no idea. And this was on his school computer. Like, <gasps> <laughs> yeah. And, and then we had to, you know, of course, complain and to the school and they said, well, you know, it was just it wasn't blocked. It wasn't, you know, the site was within another site and within another site. Oh. So it wasn't um, flagged by, you know, a you know. Trojan horse. Yeah. Yes. So it was just really so it's just really this climate that we're in now, there's just kids have, so, it's no longer, pornography is not no longer this, uh, you know, this dirty video underneath someone's bed or in the closet somewhere hidden. It's in their pocket, it's in their hands, and they have such easy access to it. And all it takes is for a friend to say, hey, look at this. And it's like, well, like, what is this? And then they're watching it and they were, you know, become addicted to it. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I know that that you know, would be really hard for a lot of Muslim moms to admit that, hey, you know, my kid has been exposed to porn or my kid watches porn. And that's, you know, I don't think that that's something that we talk about enough. 
but if we if we did then we could help support each other on, hey, these are the next steps that you would do. You would report the site. You would talk to your kids. If you hadn't done it before, so many moms that we meet who are like, when was the right time for me to talk? Now, yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, when they were two. Like, that's when you were supposed to start talking about sex with them. Um, and then, you know, obviously bringing in, like, the Islamic perspective of it's, like, forbidden. It's a sin for us to watch other people engage in their relations because that is actually a gift from God that they only share. And the only witness to that is ever God. So, you know, protection of your eyes and your ears as well as your body uh, is really important just for your own sake so that you don't grow up and have like ED because you can't have normal sex because you think all sex is supposed to be like porn. Hey listeners, Mommy One Muslim is bringing you yet another retreat. In fact, our retreats have birthed their own name now, Fill Up Your Cup Retreats or F-U-Y-C. We're kind of proud of that one. Women carry everything for everyone all of the time and we know we can't pour from an empty cup. So we've curated an F-U-Y-C retreat in Dallas, Texas this February 17th through the 19th at a private retreat center. The theme being introspection in seclusion. We have limited beds available for the entire weekend experience, including room board and activities fostering introspection. That is being okay, being alone with just ourselves, such as yoga, thicker circles, guided meditations, spa services, hijama, and of course, in the company of women who are doing the same thing alongside us, filling up their cups by loving the space they fill and embracing their God-given missions, whatever those might be. We expect attendees will find both there. Can't stay the whole weekend but crave some time to recharge and repurpose yourself? Get a day pass that also includes food and activities for the day, and of course all attendees get some practical and fancy swag to take home and hopefully continue filling their cups. See y'all there. We're blaming the internet. You know, maybe um, we're going to talk about social media a little bit later, but, you know, I think if you've watched, since you mentioned Netflix, uh, Never Have I Ever, or is the latest rendition of Hollywood making teens out to be like these raging hormonal beings that like have to have sex. Like, I, and like, so if you don't know, the premise of the show starts with the girl has to have sex. She's like 15, you know, and that's like the only thing on her mind. She's a freshman in high school. And the only thing she wants to do is have sex. Um, so there's like a lot of trauma behind that and stuff. But when we were growing up, we had things like, you know, teenagers who were obsessed with sex. Um, at, you're younger than us, Dr. Abdullah. So I'll talk to Zeba on this one. But Zeba, do you remember things like American Pie, Harold and Kumar, Cruel Intentions? Well, I have to say, I, because I was such a prude, I never really watched You never those. even watched those. Yeah. Okay. And even yeah. now, so I'm like... I watched them I, after I got married. Yeah. I've never watched but those. But when we were teenagers, in yeah. Them. Yeah, when we were teenagers, like this was it. Yeah. Like this was the picture of the mm-hmm. sex crazed American teen, so much so that when my family immigrated from Pakistan, I was about 15 when that was happening. So I had cousins coming in. And mm-hmm. the first question they asked me that night when we were like all three girls, like asleep. So these girls are like three and four years older than me. I'm just 15. And they're like, So how many boyfriends do you have? Because that is the picture that Hollywood created mm-hmm. that like, in high school, yeah. you have to be partnered up. In high school, you have to have sex. It's some kind of coming of age thing, like getting your driver's license or growing a beard, you know, for guys. So, you know, that pervasive narrative that now is two generations in, you know, that, oh, teens are these sex crazed, like it's normal for you. You must go have sex. How do we combat that? that is, first of all, it's grossly untrue because in high school, my biggest thing was how do I get into an Ivy League? You know, that's all I cared about. I needed to go to medical school. I didn't care about sex at all. I still thought it was super dirty and had all of that negative, toxic, you know, thoughts about it. Um, so how do we combat this kind of a narrative when um, 
we know the reality is the majority of teens are too awkward or just too shy, um, too uneducated about sex to actually be that sex craze. Like, what do we do to talk to our children and to other adults about this? Yeah. So the best thing is to take advantage of what I call teachable moments. So for example, when we found that my 13 year old was, you know, we had access to this pornography and he had been watching it and his comments and everything. Um, when we brought it to his attention that we knew about it, first of all, he like immediately started crying. Cause he like, he just felt the, he just felt embarrassed. Like, I know this is something wrong, but I, I want to see it. And it's, so we had a conversation like, you know, your, your body is growing. Like you're, you're, you know, you going through puberty, your body naturally wants to get someone pregnant at this age, like you, like that. So you're going to have these hormones. You're going to like what you see. Um, but you know, this is your test. A law is testing you. This is, this is, this type of sexual experience is supposed to be, you know, experience with you and your future spouse and not and because we didn't want him to feel ashamed of his natural body and how he's having these urges and everything. Um, but we wanted to direct it in a positive way. So we took this up. We took that instead of yelling at him and putting him on punishment and saying, oh, this is not I'm like, you should not be doing this. Um, we, t- we took it as a teachable moment. And we started, you know, we, you know, continued our sexuality education journey, um, you know, from that um, experience. Well, we had other conversations before, but from that, you know, him being exposed to so much, um, we really had to like peel the layers and really explain different things and help and create this safe space for him to feel comfortable to ask questions. Um, and to remind him, you know, our eyes are windows to our hearts and, you know, what you're ingesting, what you're, you know, visually ingesting is going to affect how you feel about things or what you think about. Um, so helping, you know, you know, saying that, you know, we want Allah to, you know, Allah has blessed us with this vision. We want to look at things that he is pleased with. Um, this is an act of, you know, Zina with our eyes. So we want to prevent that um, and just helping him overcome this challenge of not watching these things anymore. And alhamdulillah, we were successful. So just looking at an opportunity that, you know, a law is testing you, us as parents, they're testing the children um, and how we're going to manage it. But once you shut that door by yelling at them or saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, we don't do this as Muslims. Like this is it I'm like, and just, then it's like, all right, I'm just going to find another way to watch this stuff and find it. And hide it, yes. Yeah. I'm just gonna figure out because you're, you know, I just, I just won't, can't do it in front of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. And, and and creating that and, and creating that opportunity um, and that that permission for him to be able to come to you with questions because he isn't feeling judged or you know what's the word like honestly because we our initial reaction um, in a lot of cases because of the cultural baggage that we all kind of have is to shame them and in shaming them right you're either creating future issues with this moving forward let's say they stop but then you're creating future issues of shame around sex and sexual things which are not supposed to be it's not a natural thing god wants us to enjoy this with our significant other, or they go into hiding mode and they're going to do it re- regardless, right? So um, in creating the the permission for them to, to be able to come to you um, and not feel judged by you, I think is is an amazing thing, you know? And we talked about um, sources of the sex pressure. I feel like kids are um, becoming more um, sexually uh, aware 
at earlier ages. And I think that is because of an onset of or, or information. So you can go on a YouTube and you think that you're watching Elmo and then Elmo turns into something else and you think it's safe. And then all of a sudden your three or four year old is exposed to some of that stuff. So what do you feel are other sources of sex pressure that parents can kind of keep an eye out for like this Elmo episode, which was may or may not have been a true story in my household and um, other things that we can kind of be aware of or know the signs that, okay, if your kid is a little bit too quiet, maybe you need to go and check on that. But for me as a parent coach, the number one thing I say, keep the electronics on the main floor to the extent that you can. That's the number one thing that I tell them. Um, Obviously, as they get older, to your point with phones, they can get around it. But what are some things that we should be um, instantly looking out for? You should be listening. Like um, my daughter, she's six, no headphones. So take the headphones off. I need to be able to hear what you're hearing. You know, it's okay. Like I'm working, but I'm listening, you know, to what you're listening to. Um, because it, even in the car, sometimes she'll be watching something. like, wait a minute, what is that? Like, let me, you know, you know being mindful of those things. We have a agreement with her. She's younger. So we just have a verbal agreement of things that you can watch and things that you can't watch. With my older son, who's 13, we have like a, a form, like we had a contract about things that you can watch and things that you can't watch because he's older and he can respect those boundaries. Um, and if you have a question, you know, we're here for us to, you know, ask questions, um, answer those questions. Um, additionally, um, and then sometimes you may hear it in conversation, like they may not be watching the tablet or listening to something. They may have had a conversation with someone else or saw something at someone else's house and they ask you a question. Um, for example, when my daughter was younger, I think she was like three or four. And she was like, mommy, what's a prostitute? And I was like, um, <laughs> so a prostitute? That's a, that's yeah. a interesting one. Let's have this conversation. <laughs> Where did you hear that? And then she was eavesdropping an adult conversation and she heard word prostitute and it's like well it's just a job but we'll talk more about it you know when you get older because she you know she's not ready for you know a deeper conversation at that she wasn't ready for that at that point but then you know as she got older I had got pregnant oh I don't know if you know I had a baby (laughs) recently you're like I had a baby since we last saw each other really how old is the new baby well he's two now okay that's what I was saying I remember that baby you want another one (laughs) How did I miss that? Because <laughs> remember, I'm the cyber stalker. I would know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but when I was pregnant with my son, um, she she was like, oh, you know, she she just was like a she she became obsessed with pregnancy and she loved she wanted like a pregnancy doll and she used to pretend in the house and she said, you know, so I think she asked me how did I get pregnant. So you know, Allah blessed me and her dad with the baby. And she's like, "Well, I've been making dua for to get pregnant, and I'm and still, that's not happening." Still not happening. <laughs> Why I was like, "Allah." So we had a conversation about we used um, the prophetic story of Noah. So you know how Noah, um, the, Allah commanded him to have. Uh, a boy, a boy and a girl of each animal and how, you know, on, on the ark. And we explained that, you know, so a lot has something, put something special in each boy and each girl. And they share that to create a baby. So you cannot have get pregnant by yourself. You have to get pregnant with, you know, your husband, inshallah, one day. And then, mm-hmm. and then that's, that was good enough that for her at that point, yeah. and then she'll come back and then we'll add to that foundation. Um, yeah, she's gonna come back with the story of Mary. And be like, Explain me that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Explain me Mary. 
You're like, okay, baby girl. (laughs) Well, if she's old enough to make that leap, she's probably old enough to have the legitimate sex conversation. I would, I would, I would venture to say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had, we've had basic. Well, yeah, we haven't, we haven't really gotten there yet. I had another eight year old niece who we did talk about, um, for example, uh, like a lot, we talk about like a key and a lock mm-hmm. and how they fit perfectly within each other and how um, men have this key and then women have the lock that goes into it and then how that kind of fits with the private parts because they already knew, understood, you know, private parts and what um, genitalia and the difference between them and how they fit together. And so we went into that conversation. Um, so yeah, it just it's really it's really important that as parents that we start those um, parent-child sexual communication young and build on their understanding. So from between the ages of three to about seven, they should definitely know like the names of their body parts. Yes. They should know the body safety rules. They should know what consent means. They should know the importance of you know my body, the difference between good touch and bad touch to protect them from sexual abuse. And then you continue to grow. So with my daughter it was all about, you know, seeing pregnancy with it, you know, people getting pregnant within the family and asking those type of questions. Um, and then asking questions about their body. Um, and then knowing differences, even my son, who's two, he, you know, of course he goes to the bathroom with me all the time. And when he sees me changing or using the bathroom, he's looking at my heart. we like, wait a minute, like that, that doesn't, doesn't look, look like the same. <laughs> Why are you broken, mom? <laughs> what happened? It fell off. <laughs> That's my vulva. Where's your nose? Where's your, and it's just like a body part. Um, just to yeah. identify it for him because he, you know, looks puzzled. Um, so, and then, so I think once we normalize body parts and just identifying different things, we can help uh, protect our children, um, knowing the difference, you know, to protect them from like sexual abuse and things of that nature and just learn. So I just want to, I just want to interject because I know the Haram police is going to be like, how can you be naked in front of your children? Okay, guys, kids don't make memories before three. So just chill because we started talking about teens can you share a script of what we would say to our kids when we schedule the talk with them? And this mm-hmm. is to all those parents who haven't done it yet. Like it's time to schedule the sex talk with them. Yes. What language do we use specifically regarding the various sources of sexual pressure that we expect them to face at this age? So that's the thing. First of all, we have to get rid of this notion that there's one sex talk that I need Yes, to. exactly. Right. I love that. <laughs> there's multiple talks. There's plural, mm-hmm. right? So there should be talks that should happen, and they don't have to be the scheduled, formal conversation. Um, I find that the talks that we have with our children should are better when they're informal and better when they happen from a teachable moment. And a teachable, a teachable moment can be anything from a question to something that you see in a movie to something in the show. Like it's so, like sexuality is all around us. Um, from small things to like a billboard to a show or even an, a question that you want to ask them to get the conversation started. Um, those are actually the best ways. It doesn't have to be like a class or like, a you know, like a let's all sit at the dining room table. And I mean, of course, you could add on to that, um, but that which makes it kind of like awkward and uncomfortable for children because they feel like, you know, that we're on display versus having a conversation in the car or you're watching a movie and something happened, it's like, oh, we're going to have a conversation about that later. Or let's pause this movie and let's talk about this really quick. Or you're listening to this song. They said this. How do you think that the woman feels about that? Or, you know, like um, just bringing it 
um, to the forefront and having a conversation and really hearing, especially with our older children, with our teenagers, their thoughts and their reflections of it so that you can interject and be like a guiding friend at that age with our adolescents. I, I absolutely 100% like that because, you know, I think a lot of parents think, you know, it's a one and done thing. Phew, I got it done and over with. I don't have to worry about it. But no, rea- the reality is it is ongoing. And sometimes it's not that comfortable, you know, and, you know, part of um, sharing these types of um, stories or um, sharing some of the things about, around it means that you as a parent have to get comfortable as well, right? So, um, and, and being able to get educated by going to, to your platform and knowing the right things to say. So, you know, one of the things that I just, I just want to say, like devil's advocate, and I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier, they're hormonal, um, and it's a biological thing. There are hormonal um, desires come through. And sometimes they're not emotionally ready, you know, because we were supposed to start producing or um, reproducing at an earlier age than we, we obviously clearly are doing now, right? We're no longer getting married at 15 and 16. We're getting married a little bit earlier. So what do you recommend um, in kind of talking to these kids about their um, physical needs, desires, what kinds of things can we kind of direct them to, to kind of help be a segue till they can do it in a halal, in a halal way? Yeah, two things. So number one, the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, used to encourage fasting, right? So fasting is a natural way to really decrease sexual desire. It's a way to get closer to Allah. It's a way to oppress against piety. Um, so in my house, we were doing Mondays and Thursdays um, as a way, like a family fast, and also a way, you know, for us to help control, um, you know, their sexual desires. And then additionally, um, exercise and sports so my son loves basketball so um basketball was his way his outlet um to be able to physically release those hormones and release those endorphins and get that kind of pleasurable um release through exercise um so those are the two main ways to like a fit to have like a a natural like physical release um of their um, to control those urges and then explaining that those urges and when they get horny and when they have wet dreams and when they have those type of things, that is natural. That is normal part, a normal part of your body. I know for me that this has been such an eye-opening um, conversation just because I do have two that are already, you know, into adulthood and one that's in that beginning parts of his sexual awakening. So, you know, it's always great for us to kind of relearn and um, refocus, especially on the newer things that we are discovering. And thank you so much for your expertise. So, you know, one of the things that we like to do to get, um, have our audience get to know you a little bit better in, in, in a more informal way is I kind of set the timer for 90 seconds. And then I kind of throw questions at you. There are no right or wrongs. So just kind of answer the first thing off the top of your head. Um, and I am setting the timer now. So the first, the number one thing that we um, always ask is what is a book you're either reading or a book that you have currently read that you would recommend to our audience? Yeah, I've been mainly just reading a lot of articles about my parent-child sex communication. I haven't really had time to really read for fun um, right now. 
So, so we'll go ahead and leave that on the side because, but if you have any articles that you would love and you think our audience would be interested in, we would love to have them and put them in our show notes. So, you know, I love to communicate via text. Um, and one of the things that I do all the time is kind of throw emojis out there. So what is the number one emoji that you have been using recently and why? I've been using the emoji with like the, the smiling face with the hearts around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine is mine is the um the emoji with the sick mask because that's kind of where we've been this entire amount which has not been fun but if you were to eat one food for the rest of your life what would that be and if like weight wasn't a factor yes exactly it would be pizza oh my god pizza is the best because you can <laughs> literally put anything on pizza right Yes, I love even and I'm such, you know, all my friends make fun of me because even though I'm the halal sex bird and, you know, I love, you know, all things sex and everything, I am very vanilla when it comes to food and we can go across the country, across the world, and I'm always going to try to buy pizza. I, know, I mean, and any place that you go, right? It's always interesting that different yeah. places have different types of pizza. So I am with you on, I'm 100% with you on that. You're on a desert, you're on a deserted island. Who, other than your husband and your parents and all that, who is one person that you would want on that deserted island with you? Um, one of my best friends, I think. Yeah, one of my best friends. I don't know if I can say her name, but she, um, she would make You're me like, laugh. You're like, she knows who she is. <laughs> yeah, she knows who she is. She would keep us, keep me laughing, you know, just trying to find a way off and then just making fun of each other. Um, I feel like she would definitely be someone who I would want with me. And then she gets on my nerves, but yeah. Well, then the good thing about it is that if you're on a deserted island, you just go onto the other side when you guys start getting on each other's nerves. Be like, okay, you're annoying. I'm going on the other side. (laughs) I need a break. I need a break from you. The things that you can do with your best friends, right? That you can't necessarily do with other people. So last question, and I'm really curious about this. What is one piece of advice that you wish you knew that your your now self would tell your past self about sex. Have fun with it. It's 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 pleasurable. You don't have to think too much about it. Like God has already blessed you with this amazing pleasurable body to be able to experience things beyond you know your imagination. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. Get out of your head and enjoy your body. I absolutely love that. So, you know what? Thank you so much, um, Dr. Shakira. Um, we're going to have in our show notes where everybody can find you. Granted, they already know where you are for, with all of your um, amazing things coming up. Uh, is there something coming up that you would like to tell our audience for us to keep a lookout for? Yes, two big things. We have our, so we so the last expert, I think last time I spoke to you, we were starting to do our mm-hmm. re- our retreats. So we do have our next Reclaiming Me retreat um, in 2023 will be in May. It's going to be in Morocco. So we're really, excited, really excited about that. We've done one in the U.S. We had one in Spain last year. And now this year we're going to Morocco um, in May. So that is May 22nd to May 27th. You can go to my website, halalsexpert.com. Um, for more information, I'm actually updating my website, but hopefully it will be ready by March. So whenever this airs, um, it will be all there. 
Um, and then the next big thing is, yes, I am getting my dissertation and I'm focusing my dissertation on teaching Muslim parents how to talk to their children about sex. So parent-child sexual communication. I love that. I'm doing this big study um, that will, inshallah, start uh, in September. <laughs> so it's kind okay. of far away. But stay connected with me through the through my website. And yes. if you are a parent who has children between the ages of 3 to 21, then you qualify to be in the study. You can either just fill out a survey for me or if you want to actually be in an intervention where I teach you and you're, you will be dedicated to staying in a six-week course, um, uh, that can be an option for you too. But that way you have options if you just want to fill out a survey just so we can learn more about Muslim parents and how they talk to their children about sex and what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. Um, we just don't have enough research out there. And that way it helps us as sexologists um, create the tools and inshallah needed to help overcome this challenge. I love that. Well, I mean, you have eight, eight kids between the two of us right now. So we, we, we got that already. We volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> we volunteer as tribute so we are going to be there yes like yes it will be online as long as you live in the u.s i know it's the only doubt you have to live in the u.s so, um but it will be awesome and i just definitely want to just create a foundation for other sexologists and other researchers to really keep muslims a part of the you know the conversation and, and create interventions for us as well I love that. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. That's our favorite stuff. So thank you so much for coming back and teaching us so much about um, the sex pressures that our kids are facing. And arguably, at, you know, I think all of us are facing. So we appreciate it and know that somebody's going to benefit from this lecture. Jazakallah khair. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Thank you.